Morgan's passion for serving the agricultural and food industry is deeply rooted in her upbringing. She grew up on a first-generation wheat, hay, and cattle ranch in eastern Oregon and was heavily involved in FFA and 4-H. She went on to earn two degrees that supported her passion for agriculture from Oregon State University and Texas A&M University. During her time at Texas A&M, she interned for Washington, D.C. at the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. After graduation, Morgan landed a job back in D.C. as a legislative assistant for Russell Group, a government relations firm focused on food and agriculture. Here, she has had the opportunity to work with various agriculture and food companies and help advocate for the American agricultural industry in the federal public policy space. Please help me give a big welcome to Morgan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, this is Allie Spears, your host of the Ag Chicks podcast, where I cultivate connections with the women who are helping feed the world. Okay, Morgan, I am so excited. Before I just hit record, we were talking about just kind of how things have evolved. Um, And I'm so excited to have you on today. I'm so excited to share all the amazing things that you've done and that you're currently doing. Uh, And for those of you who don't know, if you don't know Morgan or myself, we actually met in grad school and now Morgan is doing incredible things in DC. So very excited to talk about all the things that you've got going on and just share more about you today. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Okay, so let's kind of start from the beginning. Um, So you grew up in Oregon. So what was that like? Kind of where are you from in Oregon? Okay, so I grew up, yes, in a very, very small town in Eastern Oregon. Um, It's called Ione. Um, I'm sure you and nobody else listening will know where that is. Um, But yes, very, very small town, very rural area. Um, I grew up on a beef, uh, wheat, and hay ranch. Um, So did that growing up. My dad is a first-generation farmer, actually, and so um, we moved back to the area when I was one years old, and he started farming, Um, and so, yeah, I've known ag and farming literally from since before I can even remember. Um, Did 4-H and FFA growing up, got to do all that fun stuff, Um, and then, yeah, ended up at Oregon State for my undergrad, um, I graduated with a degree in ag science and then ended up in Texas where I met you. So um, got my master's at a and in ag communications and then ended up in D.C. last June. So have been here ever since and learning the ways of the land up here, it feels like. I feel like I'm finally getting used to the like adjustment going from, you know, a town of 300 people to a massive city. Um but it's been good and I really enjoy my job and being up here. So yeah, it's a little bit about where I came from, I guess, and how I got here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I'm so excited to like dig into so much of that. Um, but going back to kind of where you were raised, I know you said it's a super small town, but 
I feel like I can, I don't know. I, I felt like my hometown was small, but like looking back, it's really not. And especially after coming to Texas, when you drive through towns that literally have like 25 people, I'm like, okay, my, my hometown is not that small. Um, but growing up, did you like, were, were you surrounded by agriculture in terms of like the people you went to high school with? Like, was it pretty much all ag kids or was it kind of a mix of individuals? I would say it was mostly ag kids. Like a lot of the kids in my class came from farming families, you know, would work on the farm during the summer, especially, or, you know, on breaks. Um, if you weren't a farm kid, you were either like a teacher's kid, yeah. uh, maybe like someone who worked at the bank or the person who owned the store. Um, and then like a little like other random things here and there. But yeah, it, it was it was a very predominantly ag community, I would say. Okay. And then how far are you from um, Oregon State, like distance wise? Yeah. So I'm, uh, I grew up like four hours from okay. uh, Oregon State. Yeah. So Oregon State's on the west side of Oregon and Corvallis. And then I grew up on the east side. So yeah, it was about a four hour drive. Okay. That's kind of a nice distance, right? Like far enough away that mom and dad maybe can't do like a surprise visit, but close enough to where you can go home if you need to. Exactly. Exactly. That was probably the biggest appeal of it as a, you know, senior in high school, leaving home for the first time. But yeah, it was a, it was a good distance, I would say. And what made you pursue the major you did in college? Like, was there like a big reason behind things? Like, was there a career you thought you wanted? And that's kind of the reason you went the route you yeah. did or what? Yeah, so I um, always knew I wanted to do ag, like all through high school, I knew like I was like, I want to go into the ag industry, don't really know what that's going to look like, threw a couple ideas around. I actually went to Oregon State pursuing a degree in animal science, and I was going to do pre-vet, which I feel like is a very common thing for a oh, lot yeah. of ag kids. Um, and then realized just within my first year that kind of wasn't really the route I wanted to take. Um, switched majors a couple times. I did, I had ag business at one point, um, and then kind of ended up in ag science because I felt like that was a good, like broad degree that like, I got to take a little bit of everything and kind of get a little bit of every piece of ag, I guess, of the ag industry. You know, I could take the animal science classes. I could take crop science classes. I could take business. I could take ag comm classes. Um, and so ended up in that degree for that reason. And also because I was like, well, I think I want to be an ag teacher maybe. And that was like the ag ed equivalent at Oregon State. So ended up in that major um, and then just did like a minor in animal science. So. so was there a point where you realized like, yeah, I don't want to be an ag teacher. Was there something that happened or was it just kind of like you got to the end and you're like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't really say there was like, a specific like instance I can think of that I was like I don't want to be an ag teacher but COVID hit obviously and that was my sophomore year of college and so I just switched to ag science and that was kind of the route I was thinking I was going to do was be an ag teacher and I just during COVID you know you had a lot of time to think and a lot of time to just weigh different options and I kind of got to this point where I was like I love educating people about the ag industry. I love talking about the ag industry, 
but I don't want to do that in like a formal classroom setting. And like extension was kind of like something I was interested in, but I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do that either. And so I was like, well, what is like a degree or a program or something that I could do? Like I could educate people about ag, but like I'm not in a classroom. And so I was like, well, ag communications would be a great option. However, at the time, Oregon State did not have an ag comm major or minor. I believe they have a minor now, which is great, but they did not have, they just had like a few classes here and there. Um, and so I pretty much took every class, ag comm related class that I could. Um, and then kind of was like, well, where do I go from here? Like, I want to work in ag communications, but I don't know, like, how to get there or like what skills I need and I don't really have a lot of experience in there and so that's kind of why I ended up looking at grad programs and kind of ended up at A&M because I just I knew that A&M had a good ag comm program and I looked at a couple other schools as well and A&M was just kind of the place I ended up. Yeah I it's hilarious or not hilarious, I guess, but it's funny that you say COVID gave you a lot of time to think because man did it right. That's pretty much where the podcast came from because I was right. sitting at home with my dogs and our new calf. And I was like, well, now what do I do? Right. Like right. <laughs> the weirdest times. Um, but yeah, I think looking back now, what was that about four years ago, I guess, which is crazy to think about. Uh, I feel like so many people made pivotal kind of decisions or moves in their life because of that time, uh, which not that I would want anything different, but sometimes I wonder like, what would have happened if COVID didn't happen right. or things like that, you know? Uh, I think I'm, I'm hopeful that everyone's path is what it should be and everyone would kind of end up where they're supposed to be, but um, super interesting in terms of kind of how you got to A&M. And so going into A&M, um, and actually kind of similar, I guess, to myself in terms of why you decided to do grad school, kind of uh, when you figured out maybe where your passions were, you had kind of already gotten to the finishing point and didn't have the the major or the resources available of what you were interested in. Um, so when you decided to go to A&M, first of all, I guess, what did you think about Texas? Like, was that move drastic, yeah, like dramatic or drastic for you in terms right. of just moving across the country because that was something that was a big change for me. Um, but what was that like whole experience like? Yeah. So I kind of got to this point where I had like applied for grad schools and I was kind of deciding like where I wanted to go. Um, it was between Oklahoma state and A&M. So, I mean, similar, but not, you know, like similar areas, I guess, kind of, but not exactly. Um, and there actually was like a couple job opportunities like back in Eastern Oregon that had kind of came up and I had some people reach out to me and be like, Hey, you know, we have these job openings. Would you be interested in applying? And I was like, well, let me think about it. Cause again, I was making my decision about grad school and I kind of got to this point where I was like, if I don't leave Oregon now I don't know if I will ever leave and for people who do decide to do that like I think that's great and that's awesome but I just you know I'd been raised in Oregon my whole life lived in eastern Oregon my whole life went to school college in Oregon and I was like I just want something different I want to see somewhere else I want to experience somewhere else um and so I 
decided to continue pursuing grad school, decided to go to Texas A&M. Um, and the transition, I would say like personally and like even like professionally wasn't like drastic. Like, you know, I just, I showed up and I went to class and I went to school and I met people and went to work and like, that was just what you did. And that was fine. Um, the biggest transition was just being so far away from home and so far away from family. Um, and I wasn't just a four hour drive away from them anymore. I was more like a four hour plane ride away from right. them. And I'm sure you can relate to that, you know, being from California. And so that was like the biggest, um, difference I would say. There was like one point I can remember in my first month of being here, I had like moved here. I'd gone to like work for two weeks. Then I got COVID and you had to like quarantine for 10 days at that point. And so I was like locked in my house for like 10 days. And I remember just thinking, I'm like, if you can just make it through the first semester, like you can move home at Christmas time, like it'll be fine. You can get a job, like no worries. Um, and then for whatever reason, like, I went back to school and went back to work and I started meeting people and, you know, making more friends and um, I kind of just got settled. And then I look back now and I'm like, I can't even believe I had that mindset at one point because like, I can't imagine not have going to Texas and having had that, you know, grad school experience, that personal experience, that professional experience. Like it's, it was like very, very good for me. And now i love Texas and I miss Texas every day being in Washington DC but um yeah I would say that was probably like the biggest like transition or difference for me yeah yeah I would agree and I'm I'm pretty independent too so when I moved I wasn't so much of like nervous for being like being on my own like I was very excited about that but it was definitely like the family aspect of Again, them not being four hours away, they're 1,800 miles or right. however far it is for, for Oregon. Um, but yeah, and I think, I don't know, I'm always curious on people's transition or their experiences when they move somewhere, especially I feel like to, to somewhere like Texas, where Texans are Texans, right? Like yeah. they are, there is Very no much. other, <laughs> like Texans is, Texas is almost like its own ethnicity. Like they yes. are hardcore. I completely agree. And I honestly, I had like family and friends like warn me about that when they were like, oh man, like better be careful. I don't know how they're going to feel about this Oregon girl. And I will say all of my good friends that are from Texas, they are very proud to be from Texas. And yes, I agree. It's like its own thing. Like, um, but they were also just like very welcoming and very much like, all right, like you want to come to Texas? Like, we're going to show you how we do it down here. And, um, so I, that, that part went very well considering the warnings I had gotten, I guess, but yes. Yes, for sure. Texans are also like the nicest people you could ever meet. Yes. I think I, the whole Southern hospitality thing, definitely here alive and well. <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, and then, okay, so next kind of question in terms of we're in Texas now, you're you're doing grad school. Did you ever have or did you ever think you would ever be doing research? Like, what was the research experience for you? Yeah, so no. <laughs> uh, short answer, no, I didn't. And um, I 
like when I was applying for grad school, I was honestly just so clueless about that kind of stuff. Cause I had like, obviously you do like your little research projects for your classes or like you write your research papers. But I remember like filling out my grad school application and I was like, I have no idea where to even start, like what this is supposed to look like, what it's not supposed to look like. Um, and yeah, so had had no research experience going into grad school. Um, I was very blessed with an amazing advisor who like really took a chance on me and, you know, kind of took me under her wing and was like, all right, like you don't have research experience. That's okay. Like I can teach you the research stuff. I was, for, I, I'm fortunate, like I had some pretty strong writing skills going into grad school. And so I feel like the writing portion of it was like, okay like I, that part was like okay like I could like do that part of it and you know hone in on those skills it was just the research part that I was like oh my gosh I don't know where to even start what this looks like um but I did an assistantship so the assistantship I got like hired on at a and it was had everything it had to do with um wheat farmers like in the south um and a, like trying to get them to adopt soil conservation practices. So like, how can we effectively communicate about all these soil conservation practices with farmers and with agronomists and with extension agents so that hopefully these farmers can adopt it or will want to adopt it, you know? Um, so that, you know, growing up on a wheat farm and having a dad who honestly did a lot of soil conservation practices and was pretty innovative in his practices growing up, that like was a very like it hit very close to home for me and so I was really able to like kind of just jump right in because I was like well I've worked with wheat farmers before I've worked on a wheat farm before I know how this works I know how farmers kind of think and how they react to different things and um and so I felt like I could be, play a very beneficial role I guess in that sense um now the like again the research side of things and like the technical research things was not a expert on whatsoever very much a beginner in that sense but no never never saw myself being in a position like that honestly until I was in it so and did your assistantship also you were also teaching classes weren't you I didn't really didn't, do any okay. teaching. It was mostly research. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And then that uh, project that you worked on turned into your thesis, correct? Um, it was like a part of part my of thesis. Yeah. So my thesis was more focused on like source credibility and kind of like who do farmers find credible or who do they trust like when they're going to these people or like seeking information on soil conservation practices. So very similar, just like a very like small piece of it, piece if that makes it. sense. Very cool. I think similar experience, right? Like I didn't, I actually never wrote a research paper in my undergraduate uh, for like ag business. And so I've always been someone who is really great at writing and like that side, that's where my brain excels. Not great at math, which probably explains why I didn't love ag business as my major. <laughs> but when I got to grad school, didn't understand the research portion, but I was finally like, I don't have to take a test. Like, what is this? This is fantastic. And I felt like I was really able to kind of thrive in that environment in terms of, talking to people and enhancing skills and really trying to figure out like the root of some of the problems that are going on in agriculture from a person standpoint. Um, and so that was really kind of what interests me, but same zero research background, 
been a learning process, but something that I've enjoyed and I didn't ever think I would enjoy research. Um, I don't know if you can relate in that regard in terms of like yeah, finding a yeah. weird love for it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think what I've always liked, like I've always liked the big picture idea of it. Like I love like what we're trying to accomplish and like the findings, like what we're trying to figure out um, and kind of how that plays out down the road, I guess, like the consequences, like after you do the research, I guess, and how that influences different things. Um, it was something that I feel like I came to appreciate, but I will be completely honest. I was like, you know, I'm good with finishing this degree and doing my program. And I think this has been great experience, but this is not something that I want to what do full time. Yeah. <laughs> No, definitely, uh, definitely can appreciate that for sure. There's just, I don't know, there's so many intricacies to everything. And then like, I feel like once I feel like I have something figured out, then I find something else. And I'm like, nope, I actually have no idea what I'm doing. Like, right. <laughs> right. Zero right. Yes. Um, so, okay. So you got your, um, your master's, did your thesis, and then you did the ANRP program, correct? That's kind of how yes. you got plugged in. So what interested you, I guess, in applying for the ANRP program, which if you're not familiar with Texas A&M, we do, or the university has a policy program where they match um, students in the College of Ag and Life Sciences with different offices basically in Washington, D.C. in governmental roles um, and kind of give that experience to students from a policy and government standpoint. Did I do a good job of explaining that? Yes, that, that's, that's, I would say that's the meat of it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess what interested you in, in pursuing that program, I guess? Yeah. So I had gone to D.C. twice in high school. Once was through FFA for WLC. Um, and then once was for like a rural co-op type um, program. Um, and I loved it. Like I loved DC. I thought it was like the most interesting and fascinating place. Um, and it was like interning in DC for like a summer or a semester was always something kind of in the back of my mind that I was like, this would be fun, like to come up here and like live here, you know, for a summer. Um, and so never just really had any like opportunities to do that when I was at Oregon State. And again, COVID hit. And so that really like had a damper on like some of my like key summers or semesters that I would have been really able to do something like that. Um, and then when I came to AM, they had that program and I was like, wow, this is great. Like I wish more colleges and universities had a program like this. Um, so I worked it out with my advisor that I could take fall of, so my, I guess it was grad, my second year of grad school, the fall semester, okay. um, kind of off to like go do that if I was to get accepted. And so applied for the program, got accepted, got placed in an office. I worked for um, the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. So they are just a trade association up here that represents all the farmer owned cooperatives like across the U.S., um, and yeah, had a really great experience. Um, never ever thought that I would want to be up here more than a semester. Like I was like, no, I'm, you know, a semester's long enough. I'm not going to want to like go past that. Um, but I knew about 
two to three weeks into my internship, like I was like, this is like where I should be. And this is where I want to be. And like, I'm going to be trying to get a full-time real job, like to come back up here and work. Yeah. So cool. I'm so jealous because that's something that I also like always had an interest in and then just never took advantage of the opportunities when I was in a place where I could have taken advantage of them. So anyone who's listening, who's young, go do what you want to do right now, because sometimes you get to a point where you're just like, yeah, that's not feasible for my life right now or anymore. Um, So super jealous because I think that is such a cool, unique opportunity. DC is such a fantastic city in terms of just like, there's always something going on. There's so much and so many people, like influential people, obviously, in terms of government, but then also the ag industry. And I think a lot of times people don't think about the policy side or the government side of agriculture and the impact that it truly does have on our entire food system. Um, So what was your experience in terms of like, what was your favorite thing you got to do in your internship? By ranchers for ranchers, together let's make ranching easier. Previously known as Cattle Back Box, Strayhorn has rebranded to better match their ability to push the envelope in creating innovative animal management products to serve the ranching community. Strayhorn is rooted in tradition and ranching legacy, but they believe in the opportunity of looking at things with a new perspective to drive the industry forward. Check out all of the things that Strayhorn has to offer you and your herd. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh man, favorite thing. Um, That's a really good question. I loved going up to the hill like so I got it like go with like my supervisor and then like the boss like the CEO slash president of NCFC um to Capitol Hill like a good handful of times I mean they like pretty much they were very like if you want to come do something like come come right along like you can come to anything which was great and I hope that most internships experiences get to be like that um but I just loved going up to Capitol Hill and like getting to sit in on these meetings with like congressional staff or like congressional members sometimes and just listen to like the different issues and kind of like observe that I guess lobbying or advocacy process of um advocating for like America's like farmers and ranchers like I felt like that was just like where all the action was happening and it was just like so fascinating to me to like watch that interaction happen so I would say that was probably like my favorite part 
Yeah. That's so cool. Like I said, I'm so jealous. And then you come back, you graduate, and then you get a job offer in DC. So tell us a little bit about where you're at in terms of like what your role is, who you're working for, all that, all that good stuff. Yes. So I'm going to try to explain this as best as I can, because I've realized recently when I've been like talking to family and friends, some of the ways I explain things, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, okay, fair. Like I had no idea before I like came up and interned here either. Um, so yeah, so I came back like January of 2023 to AM. I had like one semester left that I had to like finish classes, finish my thesis and figure out where the heck I was going next. And um, was fortunate that I worked with my um, internship office. They like really helped connect me with a lot of different opportunities and kind of would like flag different opportunities. And so um, the office I work for now, so I work for the Russell Group. So we're an ag and food government relations firm up here and we're a multi-client firm. So we represent different agriculture and food companies um, in the government relations space, I guess. Um, And so that ranges from clients like Land O'Lakes or Bayer or Nutrien to like some more smaller like uh, like grower organizations like Mm -hmm. California Rice or National Potato Council, like just some of those types of things. Um, So kind of get to have our hands in a little bit of everything. Um, But they had a job, uh, job come open. And so I applied for it and they offered it to me. And part of the offer was I got to work remote from Texas for a couple months while I was finishing my degree. Um, And then I got to move up here and just start in person as soon as I was able to. So moved up here uh, the end of May, beginning of June of 2023. Okay. Awesome. And so what, I know this is like the hardest question to answer. I don't like ever getting this question, but what does your day-to-day look like or what like specific things are you doing, I guess, for all of those things that you just mentioned? Yes. Yeah. So my title is legislative assistant. Okay. Um, and so that basically entails, I help with all of like the media monitoring and media tracking And then also like congressional and regulatory monitoring and tracking for our firm. So for example, like I literally peruse like a million different news sites every morning and just kind of watch for any like, first of all, I guess any articles that mention our clients, but then also, you know, watching for things on issues that are relevant to our clients. Um, So for example, if a clients were really interested in GMOs and any regulations around GMOs, um, I I saw an article about that or about any process or progress that might've been made, um, I would like send that to our clients or I would send it to like a distribution list or like whatever the situation might be. Um, And then also I have to track like rules coming out of so like different regulations I guess coming out of like USDA FDA the White House um you know Department of Labor Department of Energy EPA like all those different administrational agencies and then also any like bills coming out of Capitol Hill from any representative or senator offices um 
that might be related to something our clients are interested in. Okay. Um, so that's probably like the main piece of like what I do. Um, but then I do like help, you know, write memos on various ag policy topics. I help prepare like proposals for like prospective clients that we might work for. Um, I help write our weekly like newsletter. Um, I get to help set up meetings on Capitol Hill or at USDA or any other agency. And then also like go and attend those meetings sometimes. Um, I feel like something different every day, but I would say that's like the gist of it. Yeah. And do you enjoy the fact that it's like never the same? Yes. I love that. I don't know if I could work in an office setting and it be the same every day. Right. Um, I think I would be so bored. <laughs> yeah. And so where's your guys's office located in terms of like closeness to, to the action, I guess. Yeah. So our office is actually located in Virginia, like okay. in Arlington. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, it's just right across the river from yeah. Washington, D.C. Um, we're like very close to like the main Washington, D.C. airport. So it's like it probably takes like 10 minutes, usually maybe a little more with bad traffic, which is very common um to get to like USDA or the hill or the mall or wherever we're going that's kind of nice though to be not necessarily like I mean close obviously because DC is kind of all of the craziness expands to the outskirts but close but not like right on top of it to try to get through all of that when you're trying to get yeah. to work <laughs> yeah absolutely it's kind of nice to be a little bit removed from the craziness but you're like, also you're like right there so. yeah yeah oh man that's so cool and I think I don't know. It's just like such a unique role that you're in and such a unique opportunity that you have um, over. I'm trying to remember if it was over the summer or in September. I think it was over the summer. Um, I was doing a program with NCBA and they took us to like their media room. And it's just like all these different screens with like all these different things popping across. And they same thing, right? They're monitoring what's happening in terms of social media, articles, everything that's coming out in terms of flagging things. So do you have like a million monitors that you get to look at? Or are you kind of like surfing between different tabs? <laughs> Uh, definitely surfing between different tabs. Sometimes I like go through, like, you know, we're signed up for like different, like email lists yeah. and different things. And they'll like link articles. And I'm like, I go through the whole list and I like click on them and click on ones I want to read. And then I like go to open my like browser and there's like 20 tabs. And I'm like, Oh, I probably <laughs> don't have time to like read all of these, but let's see, like, let's look through them and see if there's anything important. Um, so yeah, no fancy like monitor setup. Um, I got I got the double screens when I'm in the office, so that's always nice. But yeah, no nothing like that. Well, I feel like maybe you need to tell them you're gonna need some more, some more screens at some point. Yeah, I need some more resources right. to do my job. Yeah. Oh man, I love that. Okay, so on the other side of all of that, right? So I feel like you've had such unique opportunity or not opportunities but experiences in terms of like coming from Oregon that whole thing in terms of like growing up your undergrad experience graduate experience do you think or I don't know this is probably a really hard question but are there certain things you think have helped you or certain experiences that have helped you in terms of where you're at now or certain things that maybe you rely on on a daily basis um to kind of get 
get your job done? I know that was kind of a question that they asked us. We were on a panel a few days ago um, for an ag comm class and that was kind of a question they asked us and I had to like think about that one a little bit in terms of like, yes, because I feel like everything I did has right. shaped me in some way, but is there like a certain thing that you're like, yeah, this is definitely it for me? Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I feel like, you know, kind of a little bit of everything has like gotten me here today. Um, and I'm, I mean, I kind of said this earlier, like if you had told me when I was a freshman in college that like when I was done with everything here in, you know, five, six years, I would be living and working in DC and like doing what I'm doing. I would have been like, what? Like, absolutely not. Like never, ever imagine myself being here. Um, it was never something that was like a long-term goal of mine. Um, I think it's very much just kind of where my paths led me, um, which is great. I think, you know, you can't always plan everything, but, um, I guess going back to your question, I think that, you know, my internship experience obviously played a very heavy role in like, no, like knowing that I wanted to do this and I wanted to be up here and I wanted to be in the middle of ag policy and what better place to do that than in Washington, DC. Um, so I think that is something that, you know, really helped get me to where I am today. Um, but to be completely honest, like, I really do think that like my upbringing and like my background of like growing up on a farm and like working on the farm, you know, and being raised and like just, you know, the, doing the chores every day and just that sort of thing um, really like laid the foundation for like my ultimate goal, I guess, like in my career and like long term in my career of like, I want to educate others about ag and I want others to understand ag and understand where their food comes from and understand like, you know, kind of what a farmer and rancher does every day because people are so far removed from that. And I see that every day up here. Um, and so I think that just that like upbringing and that appreciation for it um, kind of is probably the main huge thing that has like drove me to like end up in this space. Yeah, no, I 100% I agree. I feel like I'm kind of in that same situation in terms of just again, my upbringing and everything like that. And then 100% relate in terms of big picture of like, how can we connect everybody? That being said, though, because of your experiences and now being in a place where most people probably don't really know where their food is coming from and having potentially some of those conversations, do you think that there's something in the industry or realm of ag communications that we need to be doing differently or that we should be doing to kind of make some of those connections? Yeah, Ian, that's a really good question. Um, Sorry, that was a, that's a big no, question. <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think that like, ultimately, when I interned and I was like, okay, this is kind of like what I want to do. This is where I want to be. You know, my mindset of it was there is a lot going on up here that affects the ag industry and the food industry. And a lot of things that like you just don't even think about, or like you don't even think like, how is this going to affect, you know, farmers or ranchers or whatever um it might be um and you don't really realize those things are happening until you've like actually gotten to be up here or you've come up here for 
you know, fly in visit hill visits or like whatever it might be. Um, and I just like saw this need that I was like, there needs to be more people here in DC who have had their feet on the ground, their boots on the ground, whatever you want to say, um, in production ag and like in the industry that like understand, you know, what a farmer's day-to-day -day looks like and kind of what trials and tribulations they're going through and the different, you know, issues and challenges they face. Um, and then how that can kind of like feed up, you know, through the supply chain. Um, and so obviously my easy answer would be more people like that to come to DC, but I know that this isn't for everybody. So that's not the best answer, but uh, I think, you know, really working directly with the source, like trying to like get farmers and ranchers voices heard and like hear their stories and listen to their things and then like relaying that because I think that that personal like connection can really like help. Um, and I know that that is a challenge in itself because I know that some farmers and ranchers are like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to, you know, share anything like leave me be and I'm going to go do everything I need to get done. But um, I think just like really using that and then like personal experience, like you and I, who like we grew up in ranching and farming and ag and like we understand that too. And so we obviously have our own personal experiences and things that we can pull from. Um, I don't know if that's the best answer for you. No, I think that's, that's a, a answer I have for you, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's a perfect answer. And I think uh, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I don't think that there is a solution right now. I don't think we have that. And I think that's why there are programs like ag communications and all those things that hopefully that we are working towards a solution now. Will we see it in our lifetimes? I hope so, but I don't know. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? It's just such yeah. a big problem that we're really facing uh, or maybe not problems not the right word but like challenge um and so yeah no I'm just curious kind of I like knowing other people's perspective on that because I think for those of us who have now been trained in ad communications um you know how we're supposed to be a part of the solution and so trying to figure out like what role do we play in that solution and where can we where can we fit things in Right. And I think, you know, just from like my perspective of working for like a lobbyist government relations firm, um, you know, me or my one of my colleagues or co or boss or whoever can go up to the hill and spout off all these reasons that, you know, this bill should not be passed or this language needs changed or whatever the case may be like we can go up there and do that all day. Um, but I just think that it really makes a statement when you have like this fourth generation farmer from, you know, the Midwest who has been here and his grandkids are going to probably take over the farm one day. And he comes into, you know, congressional representative's office and tells his story or tells, you know, about the drought they had last year or about, you know, this weather that came in and like wiped out all of their crop or wiped out their whole cattle population or like whatever that might be. Like, I just feel like that makes just such more of a statement than any other person going in there, you know, that does this kind of stuff every day, if that makes sense. Yes, for sure. I think it kind of goes back to that thought about like telling your story and agriculture telling its story better and all of those things that we often hear, but sometimes are not great at actually doing. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. But kind of real quick, kind of along those lines before we wrap things up today, um, what, like, 
the people that you work with, are they mostly made up of people with an agriculture background or not necessarily? You know, not necessarily. Um, I feel like the office I work in, we, there's only 10 of us. We're pretty small um, and we come from all different types of backgrounds. Um, but I do feel like we all have some sort of ag connection in some way. So whether that be like, we didn't grow up on a farm, but we did like FFA and 4-H growing up, or um, we did grow up on a farm and then we went to school and we got degrees in ag and like, that's kind of been our whole pathway. Or like, well, I didn't personally grow up on a farm, but my grandparents had a farm. And so like, I grew up visiting them and that's kind of how I became my interest. Or like, they come from like a very different type of ag than like what I'm used to, like, um, like nursery and like that sort mm -hmm. of thing, or like equine and like that kind of thing. So um, still ag and just different ag than like what I'm used to, I guess. Um, so very diverse backgrounds, I feel like very diverse pathways. Um, but for the most part, I would say there's like, at least like, even like a little tie to ag. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And the only reason I asked that is because something I have noticed recently is a lot of interest in ag communications, right, from students um, who are wanting to pursue a career. And then the next question always is, well, what can my career be, right? Like, what could I do with an ag communications degree? Um, and I have found through some of my experiences is there are so many opportunities if you're thinking about things in the right way, because Everything has an element of communications if you are really look at it. Um, right. But also some of these really well-known ag companies are using marketing firms and communication firms that do not have an ag background, which always surprises me because if you're talking about agriculture, why wouldn't you want people who know something about what you're doing right but I think right. there's maybe and that's part of this solution I have no idea this is just me kind of going off on a tangent here but um I think there's a little bit of a gap still there's there's popularity in the industry for majoring in ag communications but I don't know if we're really equipping students necessarily with the tools that they need to be competitive against some of those marketing majors or um, strategic analytics or those types of things. Um, again, that's just my personal thoughts. So. Yeah, no. And I honestly, I totally agree with you. And I think that like, maybe not in my office specifically, yeah. but like when we're going up to the Hill and we're interacting with different member offices, I think very often, unless they are like a member who is on ag committee and they like have a direct tie to ag. So they are like a little more mindful about who they're hiring for that position. There are some offices I feel like that their ag staffer, like the person that's doing all their ag portfolio and interacting with the ag and food clients that come in did not come from an ag background whatsoever. You know, they grew up in some huge city and they majored in like business or political science or something along those lines, which is great. And I yeah. think that, you know, being on the Hill is a great place to be if you came from any background, but I mean, they're dealing with a portfolio that they have no idea, like even the slightest clue about ag. Um, and I think that that can really put a barrier there sometimes when it comes to ag policy and just getting different bills through and working on different issues and that sort of thing. 
yeah for sure and I, along the same lines right i think different perspectives are just as important but i think sometimes the answer could be staring us in the face in terms of like we need someone with an ag connection in right. there um right but anyways that was that was my tangent for the day <laughs> um but kind of last question here is if somebody is listening and they have an interest in ag policy or going to dc or government relations whatever whatever it might be what is some advice that you might get that give them in terms of getting involved or starting to kind of build a network around that portion of the industry yeah so i touched on this a little bit earlier just about kind of like how i ended up here but I think that like internships are huge. Um, and I think that like, you know, sometimes you don't have the resources to like intern in DC and like that is completely okay. Um, I think that looking at the state legislator and legislation yeah. um, and figuring out like if they have internships in their offices, like I think that's a great way to kind of like start down that path. I think that a lot of, um, I know like in Texas, at least because I've seen these, I feel like, but a lot of like trade associations will hire like policy interns mm -hmm. or like policy communications interns. And like, they help get you exposure to like that sort of things, usually at like a state level, but it could even be at the federal level. So I think that that is like a huge thing. I think that internships, not only get you a little bit of job experience and get you some exposure to that, but they also help you build your network. I mean, I mentioned earlier, you know, my internship office really was instrumental in helping me get a job back up here. And so I think that, you know, they can be a resource. Um, also like getting involved in different clubs and organizations on campus. And like you're, if you're interested in the policy side of things and you're coming from like the college of ag, like, what better way to represent the College of Ag than serve on like the campus wide um, government relations or government affairs, you know, student council, whatever, you know, it might be yeah. all that sort of thing. So I think that that would also be a great opportunity to kind of get into the, involved in that space and at least understand like the policy process. I feel like coming in, that was like my biggest like challenge was I did not understand the policy process or politics really but I understood ag. And so I could bring the ag stuff in um, and kind of learn the policy stuff along the way. Um, but yeah, I think those, that would be a good couple ideas, hopefully. Yes, for sure. I think that is fantastic advice. Morgan, I just want to say thank you so much for spending time with me today. I have thoroughly enjoyed learning more about you and all the stuff that you have going on. If someone is listening and they would like to connect with you, what is a good way for them to do so? Um, so you can reach out to me via LinkedIn. Um, it's just Morgan Orum. Um, and I think Allie's going to link that hopefully. Yep. Um, that's a great way. Um, you can reach me by email and I can give Allie my email. I don't have any fancy Instagram account or anything to like reach out through, but email, LinkedIn, always good options. Um, pretty old school, but that's okay. No, I love that. Hey. Not everyone needs an Instagram account to 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 make a connection. Um, and I'm terrible at LinkedIn. So when people are like, go to my LinkedIn, I'm like, wow, what a logical way for people to reach out to you. And I never even think about that. 
Um, so thank you so much again for, for joining me today. And if you're interested, Morgan is a fantastic resource. So be sure to connect with her. And I can't wait to watch all of the incredible things that you're going to continue to do up up in D.C. repping rep yes. the ags. Yes, repping the ags. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Really appreciated being on today. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks for more agricultural related content. And also be sure to check out your favorite podcast gear from www.agchicks.net. We'll see you next time.